Welcome to the Personal Equity Podcast, where we discuss investing in yourself and building personal equity. We take a deep dive with our guests into their stories, careers, and lives from both a personal and financial perspective. I'm your host, Mike Troxel. Today, we'll be speaking with Mark Sobolewski, who is an agent at Atlas Insurance. In our conversation, we covered his transition from minor league baseball to commercial insurance. The links and information in the episode can be found at personalequitypodcast.com. Hi, Mark. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Michael, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. And uh I appreciate you reaching out and and having me on. Absolutely. So I'd love to start with the present. If you can give listeners an idea of sort of where you are now and uh, what you're up to for work. So I am a producer for the Atlas Insurance Agency down in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, We are a family-owned independent agency. Uh, We work between business owners and property owners uh, with, with different carriers in different markets. That's great. And how did you, um, how did you get into the insurance business? Well, um, so my first career, uh, was in professional baseball. I played in the Blue Jays and Twin Systems through AAA. I had gone to two years of college, uh, prior to entering professional baseball. Uh, when, when baseball ended, I had two plus years of school to go and finish. So I finished my degree, uh, actually graduated to Florida Gator despite, uh, playing college baseball for two years down at the University of Miami. Um, Anyhow, as I was finishing school during those two years, I had to really take a hard look at what I wanted to do. And uh, my major was sports administration. I had a minor in business, uh, which basically meant a whole lot of nothing as far as, hey, you you know, you better do this or, hey, you're only looking at jobs in this arena. Um, I did consider getting into coaching, pro or college. I had a couple uh, people, you know, encourage me to go that route. Uh, It was something I was interested in, but uh, it wasn't overly attractive considering I had just gotten done uh, being on the road so much as a player. Uh, my wife is a kindergarten teacher in town at Southside Elementary School. She's uh, as solid in that career as you can possibly be. We're, we love the area. We love Sarasota. And so I really wanted something um, that I could do in town locally uh, that would also afford me a little bit of time freedom. So not a nine to five job because I do still stay involved with kids and baseball in the community. I'm a assistant coach at Sarasota High School where I went. Uh, it's a really, really big time traditional power at the high school ranks. And it's a great opportunity for me to stay involved in, in young people's lives. So um, basically when I added everything up and I started looking at what would make a, a really good fit for me as far as a career, uh, Atlas really provided a great opportunity to do very well financially. Uh, it'll take a little time to build a book and do it the right way. But um, there's really good leadership here between the owners and the other producers. Uh, there's a model that's that's worked, and uh, it just turned out to be a really, really good fit. That's great. So you clearly were interested in coaching and not completely burned out from baseball, given that you're currently coaching at Sarasota High, but you were uh, decided to pass on it in a career. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I feel like uh, being able to coach at the high school level, um, it, it's sort of it, it kind of uh, quenches that thirst to stay involved in the game, but it also allows me to really, really get involved with the, the kids um, and try to, you know, not to sound cliche, but you do want to develop 
people. And I think we need that as much now uh, as we ever have. But, um, you know, a lot of times when you look at the college game, for instance, uh, yes, you are around those young people. Um, you do recruit them. Uh, you're with them day in and day out. But there's there's much more of a business side to the game in college. And, and then when you get to the professional ranks, that's a whole different animal. Um, so there there's pros and cons to everything. But uh, I was certainly not burnt out or <laughs> or bitter in any way, shape, or form from from playing. Um, it's just that I didn't want to be on the road um, all over the place, whether it be by bus, car, you name it, um, doing that whole thing again as a coach. So uh, being being able to stay local, work, be home at night, and uh, also stay involved in the game was was basically a win every way you look at it. Yep. And, and that's one fascinating topic that, that, that I find is so, as far as um, sort of exciting jobs or exciting sounding jobs that, you know, we sometimes, sometimes we overlook the drawbacks, right? Even a professional athlete at the highest level, right? You're still maybe away from your family for, you know, several months of the year, right? There's still, um, and, you know, even going into coaching or, minor league baseball it sounds really cool but hey it's tough it's tough to you know be on the road for half the year and and sitting on a bus for you know hours and hours at a time is that right yeah playing at you know at a high level uh college and then into pro ball those are tremendous opportunities and i don't regret them uh by any stretch i'm very fortunate to have done it and i look back with extremely fond memories having said that to your point uh you know what people see they see a baseball card or what they see is a game on television or what they see is a guy come back and do an off season workout at his high school field in front of the kids. And it looks like, Oh man, this guy's got it made. And, and look how good this guy is and look at the gear that he's got. It looks, it looks one way. And a lot of that stuff is true, but what people don't see is when you are on the road and when you do play 20 games in 21 days and, uh, when you haven't, you know, seen a mom, a dad, or a wife, fiance, girlfriend, whoever it may be, you don't see them for months on end. And and there's pros and cons with everything. But certainly, if you were to go talk to guys in professional baseball, for example, um, there's a huge payoff if you end up, you know, striking it big at the end uh, in the big leagues. But no one, no one's got it perfect. And uh, no matter what your career is, you better be happy. Or, or at least uh, happy most of the time, and and I was when I played. But there's certainly benefits uh, to doing what I do now. And another thing I'm interested in, and sort of re- you know related to the theme of this podcast, is you know investing in yourself, but also you know assets that you have that are not necessarily on a on a balance sheet. And and hearing your descriptions of you know you getting into the business makes me think of you know between your history in Sarasota, all of the relationships you built, even. Um, with you and your wife. I mean, you guys know a lot of people in the area. So like those relationships, that network, that, that, that was, that's a big asset that you have. And so it'll, it makes sense getting into to a business that really prioritizes and focuses on relationships versus if you went and opened up, I don't know, an ice cream parlor a hundred miles away, you, you know, you'd be sort of not utilizing that asset. Oh, right. You know, the, the commercial PNC business is very much a relationship business. Obviously, there's a, a learning curve and you do, do need to learn um, the X's and O's and you need to, to really specialize within a niche, uh, ideally, if you're going to do very well. So there's there's obviously a lot to learn. Uh, you're always going to learn in this career. Um, but 
being from here, and this is part of what um, attracted Atlas uh, to me, was the fact that I grew up here, um, the fact that I did have a good reputation. I think I still have it. Um, <laughs> but the fact that I did grow up here through baseball and, and did a lot of work, even in the off seasons with young people and families. And uh, my wife, who I, who I talked about earlier, she is a, a kindergarten teacher um, in town. She's always been somebody that a lot of people know. So there's a natural network that was built in. Um, and it's not a business where yet, I mean, it is a sales business, but it's not a hard sales business. I've never felt uncomfortable uh, approaching anyone. A lot of times, especially in my first year, um, those phone calls or those reach outs were, were basically as innocent as, Hey, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, what are you up to in the next couple of weeks? I want to grab coffee and, and catch up. And a lot of those catch ups were basically just me telling them, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm up to. Um, any advice you have, or if there's anybody you think I should talk to, or if, there, or if there's an opportunity with you personally, let's go from there. But it was very innocent. And, and I got tremendous feedback, especially for somebody in year one. You know, if, if someone's going to trust you, uh, Mike, you know this, uh, being the financial industry, but, um, you know, if someone's going to trust their insurance uh, to you regarding their business or, or other types, um, they, they have to have a good opinion of you. So um, I did experience plenty of success in year one just, just because of reputation and just because of the team uh, around me at Atlas because a lot of times you're, you're dealing with somebody and they've got issues and, and, and challenges with their insurance and, and how in the world am I going to have an answer to it when I'm brand new. Um, but that's what the team here has been very helpful with. Uh, I've learned every step of the way. And it's been, a, and like I said earlier, it's been an awesome, awesome fit. And I'm, and I'm very happy to be here. Yep. And you mentioned uh, niche and you mentioned X, X's and O's. So is there, uh, are there particular niches or is there a particular niche that you work with? And are there any examples that you'd like to share that you, you've helped people uh, with? Niche, niche, niche has probably been the top word I've had. Um, you know, used uh, when when the owners here, we've got three partners um, and then we've got three other uh, producers. They've all been very successful. And that's the one thing that they have all preached. It's very important within the first couple of years in this business that you do identify a niche and, and you can say, oh, well, I'm interested in this type of niche, but if there's no market for it, if there's no appetite for it, if we don't have the programs or access to the programs for it, well, then it's not a good niche. If there's not enough premium to be earned, there's, there's really not a niche. So, um, as an example, um, uh, we have two different uh, guys here that have, have done very well uh, with communities, associations, and condos. Um, that's been a terrific niche for our, for our agency. Uh, they've got a team downstairs that services the accounts and markets the accounts. It's a really efficient process and a really cool thing to watch. Um, another niche, we have a producer that's absolutely killed it with contractors and construction. And that's all he touches. He's basically identified... Uh, you know, a 50 seat table at a restaurant being his book of business. And it's got to be a major, major contractor that does a lot of business and he can use his uh, expertise and he, he becomes more of an advisor. And that's the goal. If you can get within a niche, you become an advisor, not just some guy that, you know, sold me an insurance product or a bond or whatever it may be. So um, being in my second full year producing, uh, third year with the agency, uh, I have basically identified uh, a niche A and a niche B. Um, the first one would be commercial property. So 
big shopping centers or uh, major industrial warehouses or offices. So any type of major commercial property. Um, so we're talking about like lesser's risk. And then the other one would be hospitality, primarily restaurants. And a lot of that just came about because of who we know in town. And um, those markets are a little volatile, especially because of the COVID situation we're going through and what's been allowed to stay open and to what extent um, that's been a little bit uh, challenging for, for those owners uh, this past year. But um, commercial property and then hospitality would be the two areas I'm trying to focus on. Now, that's not to say if, if a contractor comes along and says, hey, you know, Mark, uh, I heard about you from so-and-so and, and would you take a look at this? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not at a point where I'm turning down business by any stretch. But um, just as a model, you do, the guys that tend to do well in this industry do specialize and find a niche. Yep, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And, you know, to some, it seems counterintuitive where if you focus on, you know, A and B, you're, you know, you might not get business from, you know, C through Z, but, and I guess, I guess the logic is if you focus hard enough on A and B, you become that much more familiar, that much more of an expert, and it sort of attracts, a, you know, a high percentage of the A and Bs versus before, if you were a generalist, you'd um, maybe get, a, you know, bits and pieces of, of everything. Correct. Yeah, the generalist uh, model definitely used to be more prevalent. You'd see more guys have success that way. The, ind the industry just isn't trending in that direction. And frankly, uh, as I've sort of began to see here, um, the more accounts that you have, it creates more and more work. And, and you know, look, no matter, somebody could be paying 1500 bucks a year in, in premium for a small general liability policy. And then you could have somebody paying $150,000 a year for a shopping center with a property and liability and everything else. And if, if I tell somebody I'm going to do something, or if I tell somebody, hey, look, I'm the face uh, of your policy to, to work with Atlas, that's my name going out there. And you don't know who that person knows. And the last thing you want to do is start taking on business that either I don't know how to take care of it. Um, we don't have an expertise within the agency and the account managers. If we don't, if we don't know what we're doing or we're not a good fit, it's really important that you just say it up front. Or if you think, hey, look, you're not going to get the attention from us that you would get at another agency because there's certain agencies that sort of have a more of a generalist model and they take more accounts at a, at a smaller um, premium size. Well, you need to go ahead and set them up for success because ultimately it's your name and, and reputation out there. One thing I'm interested in is how your business has shifted in 2020 with COVID. I mean, was it more... Were there more in-person interactions before and has it slowed down and have you, have you become more sort of remote or web-based or how has that uh, shifted? So personally, the first week things began to get, uh, you know, mandated to, you know, things were, were shutting down uh, for lack of a better term. Um, I, I reached out to all of my clients and it was a simple phone call. How are you guys doing? Do you need anything from us? What can I do for you? It was basically a human to human interaction, checking up, it's simple as that. Um, I worked from home probably for two weeks. Our office remained open, although all of our account managers uh, were immediately set up to work remotely from home. Um, a lot of the account managers would fit into the category of more at risk, not that they're at risk, at risk, but just as far as being a little bit older. Um, than, than, than I am 
being in my early 30s, almost mid 30s. I can't really say that much longer, but to the point of uh, staying home for a couple weeks, I did. And then I started coming into the office daily just because I like my routine of getting in my office. I've got my setup and I feel really good about it. And uh, anyhow, uh, there in my business, you're really not supposed to be in the office Tuesday through Thursday. Um, Monday is an administrative day. Friday is a cleanup day and then take care of a client. Maybe go play golf with somebody important. Tuesday through Thursday, a lot of times you should be at a breakfast, a coffee, maybe take somebody to lunch, uh, meet somebody out at their restaurant, meet somebody out at their property. There, there should be meetings taking place out away from the office. That's one of the coolest parts about the job is that you're not behind the desk all the time. And that obviously has changed. Um, it's opened up recently, at least in Florida, depending on who you're dealing with and their comfort level. Um, but, you know, even as far as lack of, there has been a little bit of a lack of networking opportunities. There's two different groups where we are involved with as an agency that are more important to me. Uh, one being CREA, CREA, which is a commercial realtors advisor um, group around town, basically any commercial realtor around town as a member of this group and they'd have weekly pitch sessions Friday mornings. Everybody would stand up and talk about what they're selling or what a client is looking to buy. So being that we, you know, uh, sponsor the group, a guy like me shows up, I, I say my piece about the insurance market, um, the commercial property insurance market. Well, I haven't had that opportunity now in, in you know, four months or so. So that's uh, a little bit of a loss on things like that. There's the FRLA, which is a Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, where we're an active member on. All of, those, all of those luncheons have been canceled for the foreseeable future, and those are really good networking opportunities. So some of the bigger things like that have, have, have hurt a little bit this year, but uh, I know as an agency, for instance, um, we had a goal of, of new business this year. Our retention is great, but our, our new business goal, uh, this is halfway through the year. We're, God, we're we're about 85% of the way there. We actually had a, a record setting quarter last quarter and I couldn't, uh, can't quite tell you why that is, uh, other than we, we laid some really serious groundwork, uh, at the end of last year for some of the policies that were coming up in the second quarter. So. Wow. That's incredible. And so you've mentioned a few times how great the Atlas team is and, um, the people that have mentored you and also the sort of set schedule you have. So diving a little deeper into that schedule, how do you think that structure and that framework has helped you perform knowing that, you know, Mondays are allocated for this, Fridays are for this and Tuesdays through Thursdays, um, you know, get, get out and, and talk to people, talk to your clients. Well, so, uh, an industry standard, um, at least for an independent agency, as far as producers go, uh, about one out of three sticks and really works and brings in, uh, uh, and, and ends up having a, a long-lasting career with an agency. And usually, you know, in the first couple of years, if it's a good fit or not. And I think part of why I've had a little bit of initial success, and I think I'm a good fit, is because of my athletic background. I know I'm a self-starter. I don't, not only do I not need somebody to tell me to get moving or or make a call or, hey, let's go, let's, let's get moving. I don't need it. Uh, not only that, I, I don't want it. And uh, one of the more attractive things about the position was, the independence that you have with it, the freedom to sort of creatively go about acquiring new business and keeping business. Um, it's a little bit of a game. You can turn it into a game. And uh, it was very, very attractive from that point of view. So um, other people maybe would look at that and say, oh, gosh, I need 
I need somebody telling me to clock in. If I don't have that accountability, I'm going to really struggle. That's, that's just not me. Now, uh, we all take part. I know one of the things that you like to talk about is investing in yourself, uh, either professionally or personally. But one of the things we do here to, to invest in ourselves professionally is take part in a training uh, called the Sitkins, Sitkins program. Um, he's a guy who ran a really successful insurance agency and, and over the last 15 or 20 years, maybe longer, um, certainly well before I got into this, he's been training uh, agencies. So he, he does certain classes for, if, you know, if you own an agency or if you're an account manager in an agency, if you're a client service rep or if you're an agent, a producer, he, he does all of these courses around the country uh, in person and then also over the phone. Um, he's got a whole network where he basically lays out, this is how you build a winning program, or I say winning program. In this case, it's a winning agency. So a uh, part of that is what he calls a producer perfect schedule. And and what that looks like is Monday, you meet with all, you've, all of your account managers who touch your A and B clients. Uh, you, you plan anything that you need to plan for the next couple of weeks. And then by, you know, Tuesday, you're, you're hitting the ground, you're full speed ahead as far as you should have a meeting in the morning, meeting around lunch, and then a PM meeting. And you do the same thing Wednesday and Thursday. Friday morning is sort of an office morning where you clean things up. If you meet any, if you need to meet with somebody in, in the office, put out a fire, you do so. Friday afternoon, lunchtime, you should be doing something fun with an A or a B client or prospect, meaning, you know, uh, th that's crazy lingo for golf, <laughs> if you want, if that's your thing. So, Anyhow, uh, being able to stick to a, a schedule and a program and have a process and uh, not need somebody to be all over you, that, that's something I can attribute to my background growing up playing sports. And can you repeat the name of that, um, that guy or that teacher? Uh, how, how do you, and have you spelled that? So his name, yeah, his, his, name, his name is Roger Sitkins, S-I-T-K-I-N-S. -I -I and, and the cool thing about it is, He's a great resource, and he's an awesome, awesome guy. He was a high school football coach himself, and I can tell I really took to him because of the way he went about teaching. Um, you can tell he's a coach, and he was a good coach. And then within our, within our agency, everyone's been through his program at varying points in their careers, and we continue to do you know, maybe quarterly phone calls where you get that uh, refresh from him because no matter what you've heard or how many times you've heard it, the longer you get away from the fundamentals, the first, the, the worst things tend to get, uh, you know. So every every once in a while, we have to get together and go back to the blocking and tackling of of how our day to day uh, business operations should look. And for me, being new, it's it's been a really really big help, and it's been enforced by everybody here at Atlas too. Yep. No, I completely hear you on that refresh. I mean, there's been, um, you know, so many hours of continuing education I've been through, and there. There have been, you know, several times where I've thought, man, it would be really nice to hear this, um, this one particular piece monthly or quarterly or, you know, a couple times a year. Um, because you're right, you really need someone to, you know, drive those fundamentals into you. Right. Um, you need to hear it. You need to hear it again. I mean, it, the, see, it's been a funny thing for me because I, as a player, you only get coached by others. Um, well, even during my playing career, I did some teaching in the off seasons uh, to, to younger guys. Uh, and now all I do is coach, 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 unless I'm personally working out or something. All I do is give, give back, give back, give back. Well, being new to the insurance industry, I, I've sort of gone back and had to become the student again or the player. You know, everything I'm doing is, is basically the first time I'm doing this. 
or, hey, that, that situation's new to me. What do I do here? So I've had to become a, a, a good recipient to, to teaching and coaching. And uh, the one thing is, though, it doesn't matter what field, if you're talking about insurance or sports, a good teacher is a good teacher. And when you know that somebody's giving you the right information and there's a good uh, attainable goal at the end of it and there's a repeatable process tied to it, it should work. It should work if you want it to work, if it's important to you and you honestly put in the uh, the effort. And I'm a big believer if all those things line up, then you'll be successful. It's interesting to hear you, you know, describe you know, the value of a coach or a teacher. And it's um, there's a, a recurring theme in some of these conversations I've had, particularly with folks with a high level athletic background. It's something this is totally anecdotal, but it, it seems like, you know, you someone who's played at such a high level of any sport, you might be less inclined to have a coach or teacher or need one, but but I found the exact opposite where the higher level the athlete, the more likely they are willing to sort of seek out or find a coach or teacher and and you know and pay good money um, for those sort of knowledge partners, accountability partners, and uh, you name it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I don't know exactly why it is. I, I think maybe if I'm speaking for myself, um, to to get anywhere. To, to be high up in any type of business or any type of skill or sport, I think you have some respect for what it took to get there and the, and the type of work it took to get here. And everybody always hears it's, it's tougher to stay on top than it is to get there. I don't know if it's tougher to stay. It's pretty darn hard to get there. But, you know, you, you definitely know once I'm at a certain level, one, can I, can I tweak it and get a little bit better? Can I get a little bit higher if I made this much this past year? For the last five years, what can I do in the next five to, to really, really take it up a notch and be that much more elite? You know, that's obviously true for athletes, but I think business people can think that way. Um, you don't want to lose sight of the, the you know, your core values or anything like that. But everybody, um, you know, I think most successful people do have that competitive streak in them. So, so I do think there's a, a, a serious respect that successful people have for what it took to get there. And so they, they see the value in having somebody they can confide in and continue to talk shop with or learn new ideas from. And that's probably what you see as far as successful people having a coach, a mentor, a teacher. Um, and that's, I, I definitely would agree with that. There's, there's real, real value in, in having that type of person. Yeah. Even if it's just a second set of eyes, I mean, the best writers have people edit their writing the best, you know, the best golfers have coaches, and, you know, if not several, um, one, one thing I'd like to touch on, I'm not sure if this affects you too much, but thinking about client facing roles, uh, getting new business and quote failure, right? Obviously in a sport like baseball, you know, quote failing six, seven, eight out of 10 times, you're still going to do okay. Um, have you found any carryover to that in building new business or, or maybe not since you're not, it's not like you're doing cold calls or anything? Yeah, there's, there's limited cold calls. You can make them. Um, I've, I've made a handful to almost practice a few times, especially right out of the gate when I got my license. Um, I've, I've found that there's not a whole lot of success in those. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make them, especially if it's within a niche and you know something strategically about why, you know, maybe not this year, but in the next three to five years, that person, uh, there's some value in them having heard your name or, or heard you even for a couple minutes. Maybe there's, there's a reason why that's important, but 
Um, I do know this. You, you can't be afraid to fail. That whole fear of failure thing, um, you need to get over quickly, whether it's, you know, certainly in baseball, you can't play very long. And then if you're getting into any type of sales, I mean, I, I look at it like it's a great opportunity to learn. If there's not a good fit, that's okay. There's so many, there, there's so many opportunities in insurance. One of the, the owners here um, that I spent an awful lot of time with going on meetings, his own, you know, his own meetings with the first uh, six months or so I was in, in with Atlas. He, his quote was something along the lines of, you know, in, in the, in the, the one mile each direction from us, uh, you know, the, the square mile around us, there, there's more insurance than you can even write, you know? So, so if you're going to get hung up on uh, not getting a certain account or uh, maybe you thought everything looked great and then you got towards the finish line and they went in another direction for whatever reason, your fault or, or maybe no fault of your own, um, you need to have a short memory, learn from it, just, just move forward. So, um, certainly there, there's some of that carryover. I, I'm not making enough cold calls where I, I feel that daily or anything like that, but maybe I ought to make more of those. So I, maybe I'm selling myself short and maybe I need to have a little bit more of that, <laughs> that failure day to day. But, uh, there, there's certainly value in, in being able to, to move on and just have some perspective. And, and a lot of that stuff that, that never really, uh, bugged me. too much anyway maybe in a healthy amount it did but not not to the point where i'm paralyzed by it and sort of looking back over the last couple years were there any specific people i I know you mentioned uh, your atlas team a number of times that helped you along the way or um or even other resources that helped you i know you mentioned uh this roger sitkins any other sort of books podcasts or any mentors you know, specifically, it was a funny, I'll, I'll be honest, it was a funny couple years uh, between being done with ball, finishing school, and then figuring out what I wanted to do. So um, I think I fell back a lot on the same people who I had always had, a, I guess you, if you'd call it a mentor relationship with. Um, I mean, obviously, my, my folks, uh, my parents, um, close friends. Um, a couple people I would train with. I mean, Greg Truitt would come to mind, but there are a lot of people in the area. I, I wouldn't really single any one person or thing out. I think there's a lot of people here. It's part of why we stay here that, that are really good people and have my best interest in heart and would always want to help. Um, you talk about podcasts. I, I don't listen to a ton of them. I listen to a lot. I, I think I consume a lot of different things, uh, but it's not like I'm necessarily, necessarily religious about about a podcast. Uh, there are some guys on the radio. There's, there's probably a, a there's a, there, well, there's three I, I do listen to quite a bit, but I wouldn't say I, I use them um, as far as seeking out my career or seeking guidance in my career or growth. I'd, I'd say a lot of that has really been uh, having to do with the people here at Atlas and, 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 and my dad. I'd say my dad too, because he had a good, good career in business as well. I know, uh, switching gears a little bit. I mean, one of the things I look for most in when I'm working with other professionals or, um, other colleagues that I'll use as resources or, or, um, you know, use as resources for clients is trust. And I know one of the, this is just me and maybe I'm, I'm a little odd, but one of the things that is very character revealing, in my opinion, <clears throat> is if somebody has the ability to, get up um, at the wee hours of the day um, for a workout. Not necessarily 
by themselves, but but I'm sort of diving back in. You know, there's a lot of ways I can describe Mark Sobolewski as an amazing character, high character person. Um, but you know, a couple memories that that jumped to my mind are some early morning workouts that you and I shared. Uh, and it's like you know anybody who's crazy enough to get up at four in the morning and go for a bridge run, you know that 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 tells you how committed they are. So if you're you know a potential client. If you pick up the phone and, and give Mark a call, right? Or if you need, you know, need to reach yourself as a resource, you know, t- take a guess, right? How, how long it's going to take for, uh, for you to get back to them. Yeah. I, I think for me, I, I've worked out at different times throughout my, you know, depending on where I was in my career. I, I think there is something to be said about being a guy that can get up and get started early. Um, since you bring that up. That's always been uh, important to me to to be able to say, look, nobody loves to get up before they naturally wake up. It's not comfortable, but why are you doing it? Can you do it? Maybe do something to be different than everybody else. When I played, I love to know that I'm doing this. They're not. They're missing out. I'm not. And it just, there was some kind of satisfaction that, that came with getting up early and then attacking a run, going to the gym knocking out your, your defensive work and your hitting and saying, I've done everything I can. And it's, it's 1030 in the morning. I can take a break and maybe do some more work later in the day. Well, now, um, you know, I'm not going to go reach out to a client or a prospect or anything like that and wake them up. That's not my job, but I do continue to, to get up early and be a guy that does a workout class at five o'clock in the morning and then can get into the office and get prepared for anything I need to get prepared for to start the day. Um, I want to be, you know, when eight o'clock hits, I want to be able to go full speed if that's the case, if that's what the day entails. So um, I I think it says something about your discipline. You know, if you're able to get up early, that means you're doing the right things at night. Um, If you're able to, today's a Monday. If you're able to get in here first thing Monday, you didn't have a sloppy weekend for lack of a a better phrase. Um, I, I think there's a lot that comes with it. I think people do identify that. They do see, some value and working with people that are disciplined and, and, uh, you know, pick their spots when it comes to having fun. And, and, uh, anyhow, um, that's, that's yet another thing I've probably taken from my, my playing days. Yep. Absolutely. I, I used to believe this before I had kids, but now even more so where if there's a, you know, if you ask me to get together for a social gathering after 7 PM at night, I'm an, I, I'm a hard no, but Hey, if you ask me, to meet you for a cup of coffee at 5 a.m., you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't flinch. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's preferred, right? Because it wouldn't, it wouldn't disrupt my day. It wouldn't d- disrupt my family time. Absolutely, especially you know, Sunday through Sunday through Thursday, Friday and Saturday. There's obviously social events and things worth going to, and we have plenty of fun here. And you can, you, you know, a lot of the people that we're friends with down here still in Sarasota, Mike. We have, there's no shortage of shortages of uh of good times being had here. But uh, having said that. During the week, uh, I like taking care of business. It makes me feel productive. It makes me feel good. And when it is time to go uh, do something fun, whether it's go to, a, you know, uh, for us, it's like going down to Miami for a college football game or something like that. It, it, then you feel like you really earned it and you can really, truly enjoy it because, you know, you're taking care of business on with what's important. I think that's a good segue. I mean, uh, discussing sort of taking care of yourself and also your, your 5 a.m. workouts. And you, you also touched on how you're coaching the – uh, or the assistant coach of the high school team. So, wrap you know, sort of tying this into d- different ways you invest in yourself, but also um, 
invest in other ways. Like, for example, your exercise, you're investing in yourself, um, you're investing in your community, right, through athletics. Are there any other ways that you're um, making uh, investments or sort of allocation uh, of resources? Well, uh, you know, one thing I didn't mention that it does go with the coaching. Um, it's sort of a cool way that both Danny, uh, Danielle, my wife and I are able to combine what we do to, to make the community a better place. There's a, there's a reading mentor program that was actually started, uh, by, by a guy by the name of Greg Truitt, who played with the Bengals in the NFL for seven years. And essentially what you're doing is taking the high school baseball players and, bringing them over to my wife's elementary school every Tuesday for the first half of the year, um, really a little over half the year up until baseball tryouts. So every Tuesday in the fall and winter and then early spring, they come on over. They miss about the last 15, 20 minutes of their high school to do this. But what they end up doing is get they end up getting paired up with one kid. So it's one high school kid for one kindergarten student. And they develop a really, really powerful bond and relationship with that student to the point where every Tuesday the kids are looking at Mrs. Sobo and saying, are the, are the high school kids coming? Are the reading mentors coming? Are we having mentors today? I mean, it's genuine excitement. It's not, there, there's nothing fake about it. It's as real as it gets and they cannot wait for those kids to come. But what they're working on every single day is the fundamentals that the teachers are trying to get across to them in school. So it, you know, for the kindergarten students, they're just trying to start to learn how to read. And and today, you'd be shocked at how advanced a lot of them come into kindergarten. Um, they they actually can, a lot of them can already read. And I knew I, I couldn't do that at the time. So they've got specific tasks that they work on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then they also incorporate some fun or some exercise. Um, I know a couple of days throughout this program, they will end up playing kickball, um, the big kids versus little kids. And they have a blast with it. And uh, there'll be another day where they have pizza and cake. But there's a lot of good work that gets done. But the big the big win behind the whole program is the relationship, the one-on-one -on -one consistent relationship. They don't mix up the kids where, hey, one week I have this mentor, the next week I have this one. It's the same kid. And what it, So I, I talked a lot about, about you know, what it does for the, high school, the, the kindergarten student. It also has at least as big of an impact on the high school kid. It's the first time for many of them that they've been asked to be a leader or to really mentor anybody. You know, if you think about it, when you're a high school athlete and some of these kids are very good, highly sought after athletes, their whole life has been about them. How did you play in your game? Did you get your workout in? Did you do what you were supposed to do? Mom and dad's taking you to practice to the trainer here and there. It's all about the kid, the athlete. Well, this program is asking them to put their own ego and their own business off to the side and totally commit, totally invest and focus on a young guy or young girl. And so the kids, you see the development from the high school guys and, and the type of teacher that they are in August, September compared to where they are in December and January. And a lot of them at first, they don't even know how to look at the kid. They're so nervous. They're more nervous than the little guy or little girl. And, by the end of this thing, they're they're training them. They're into it. It's it's a really really cool transformation to see. So anyway, it's a, it's a cool thing that I'm able to take part in. I'll I'll show up. Uh, I have the freedom to get over there on most Tuesdays and make sure that the high school kids are getting there and, and doing all the right things for for Danny's classroom. But it's a cool way for 
one, the kids to get better, both young and old, and then Danny and myself being husband and wife to, to sort of coordinate our two, uh, well, her professional life. And then part of my, I, it's not my insurance professional life, but it's a big part of my life, the coaching. So it's a really, really great program. That's incredible. And this is, um, this is one of my favorite slash least favorite questions when it comes to people that are highly productive. And then just listening to you describe that and, and a few other things. I mean, I'm looking at a list right now between the coaching and the reading program you're highly involved in, your daily workouts, you know, building your business, giving lessons, your, your personal relationships, your spouse. How do you find time for it all? And, you know, do you have any sort of tips for time management? <laughs> well, uh, we are very busy. Uh, it's busy to the point we, we make intentional time to, to be with each other. I'm speaking about Danny, you know, my wife and myself. Um, we are very busy. Danny wouldn't have it any other way. She is high energy and she needs to be going, going, going. I'm the same way to a point, but I know when my battery needs to get recharged. And as long as I take a little bit of time to regroup, I can keep on going. Um, and I don't know, maybe this is really a common phrase, but I, I, I heard it uh, not too long ago and I found it to be very, very true. If you, if you want something done, find somebody busy to do it. Uh, usually people that are busy and take on responsibility do so because they can get the job done and people recognize that. Uh, you know, I, I just need to monitor. I think I've got at this point in my life anyway, I've got a good clue where I want to focus my energy and my time. I've, we've talked at length about, you know, what those areas are. Um, you just have to be careful about, about getting pulled in too many different directions. And uh, that can happen. You just have to identify where you can help. And then you got to continue to remind yourself if you're tired or feel like things are you know, a little bit too hectic, you need to remind yourself why you're doing some of these things. And if the reason behind it is, is good and sound and, and you go for it. But um, I think it's really important to stay organized. I think it's really important to get to bed at a decent time. That's part of why I get up and work out. If I, if I were the kind of guy that hit the snooze and, showed up to the office around 8.15 and I had a meeting downtown at 9 o'clock and I just sort of went in there and, and you know, was was average. Well, then you can expect your results to be average and the application is going to be average and all the people that, you know, at one point wanted to help you, whether it be in baseball or now in business, they're, they're just going to say, look, uh, maybe they don't say it to you, but they'll say it to themselves. I, I have a hard time referring him because He's not, he's not kicking butt the way I would have expected. So you've got to be at your best. There's, there's a healthy pressure. I know I put on myself to do that. Um, but being organized, staying on top of your, your business is really important. Uh, today being a Monday, I'll tell you this, like yesterday I did, uh, I was able to go out and do a couple things, uh, and see some students go play baseball. They'll be coming into high school next year. Uh, and I had a couple family commitments as well. But one thing I did was get in the office between eight, and 9.30 in the morning. And all I did was, was review what I did the week prior, what I had coming up this week. I had some very minor administrative things to take care of. And once I did it, it, it just set me up for success to start the day. So um, taking maybe a moment over the weekend, Saturday or Sunday, it could be any time, just to review what you did, look forward to what you have going on. If there's anything you can do to to, to make things simpler once the, the craziness of the week starts, go ahead and take care of it uh, off the clock on the weekends. That's that's one little trick for me. Yep. I could just take this so many ways, uh, uh, so many different ways. I mean, you're, you're dropping so many good 
uh, so much good content right now. And your, you know, back to your, your time management comment about if you want something done, have somebody busy do it. It, it sort of reminds me of this incomplete thought I've had about, you know, how do we, how do we get, you know, the most out of, out of our day? And, you know, one of the thoughts has been, you know, if you cram as much good as you can into the day, you know, you're going to push out the bad, meaning sometimes it's hard to think, oh, I don't have, I don't have time to read or work out or this or that. But, um, you know, you really, you really fit in what you want to fit in. And, um, I'm looking at myself now and how do I have time now to work out? But I didn't before I had kids, but now, now for some reason I have time, but I have two kids, right? Um, so you brought up a couple di- different thoughts. One is from knowing you and also some, some comments you've made. It seems like you have a really good ability to be on, like really honest with yourself. And I'm just curious where, where that comes from. Does that come from your, your parents? Um, like more so than a lot of people I know, you're very honest with yourself about, you know, am I putting in the work? You, you mentioned average effort, average results. Yeah, I think that comes probably from a, a few different sources. I know in recent years, again, um, I think having a perspective as a player, uh, there's there's a lot at play. So as an athlete, and then also toward you know in pro ball, like I had said a couple of times, I did get involved with training kids. So you, you you see a different view there, and then you get into a new field. For me, being insurance. So I'm the one, I'm the player, I'm the one trying to go execute and I'm trying to learn and grow and I'm getting different advice and and different people teaching me and investing knowledge into me both here and then through that program with Sitkins. I think you know how much effort you're putting in personally. You know when you put your head on the pillow or you look in the mirror, you know what you did or didn't do. And then when you're the one in a leadership role, it's clear as day what somebody is giving or not. There's really no fooling anybody. You can try to put it off. You can hope nobody notices if you're not at your best. But the bottom line is the truth comes out. And um, so I, I think maybe that's just become more clear over time. You know, and I, when I was younger, I was probably a lot. Uh, I was probably very much the same way. And I guess that would be for my parents, although they weren't all over me. To uh, the, way, <laughs> the way I see some parents and, and their kids through athletics today, they, they were not like that. They they cared, but they were not uh, as, as I won't say crazy because that wouldn't be very nice. But they were not as vocal um, publicly uh, as others. So I think some of that's just innate and uh, the way I'm built. But I, I think maybe my perspective in recent years, seeing a coach, teacher, teacher, coach, you know, mentor, mentee, um, I think it's just made things very clear. The guys that get that get what they want or have success. They, they don't waste time being in denial about their effort level or uh, maybe a strategy or a technique not working. Go ahead and make the adjustment. There's no shame in making an adjustment saying that didn't work for me. It doesn't mean you wasted your time. You know, if, if you were trying a business strategy or, hey, I, I was trying to reach out to prospects uh, using this method. And well, guess what? If You got to give it a chance. But if, if it's not working, who cares? Move on. Change it. There's no shame in that. It's uh, this is a if you're in this for the long haul, which I am, and uh, you are in, in your field, Mike. You know, then then this is gonna there's gonna be changes that have to get made. So, so I think you got to be honest with yourself if uh, if you ultimately care about being your very very best and and uh, and doing right by your clients and everybody around you. 
So one, one thing I'm curious about is um, based on a few things you mentioned is what do you think about the fundamentals of business? And so what I mean by that and sort of how it applies to us is uh, we'll use like a coffee shop, for example. You go into a coffee shop, they might have spent, you know, tens or hundreds of thousand dollars on on the equipment and the um, and the location and the employees and everything. But then, you know, a fundamental would be, you know, nobody greeting you when you walk in or you stand there for five minutes and no one, no one says, you know, welcome to, to Mark's Coffee. And sort of how it relates to our business is, you know, there's so much, you know, it's 2020, right? There's a lot of technology. There's a lot of courses and coaching and methods and this and that. But something I've found is, you know, are you, are, are you, you know, are you responsive? You know, or do you, do you answer the phone? Um, something you mentioned, the sort of organizing, um, planning, uh, planning your week, you know, reviewing your week, um, you know, being, being responsive, being helpful to customers. I mean, these aren't like revolutionary, um, ideas, but it really does set you apart in business. So I'm curious sort of what you think about that as far as, as, far as the fundamentals of business go into, into, you know, leading into a successful career. Well, so specifically today, the you have to weigh technology versus personal, you know, skills or personal relationships and communication skills. Really, I think that's uh, from being around young people. This next wave of people, this next generation coming through, uh, Mike. One advantage we're going to have over the, the young guns is I don't think they know how to talk to people, <laughs> and they don't. And if they do, um, maybe they don't know how to listen to them, uh, which is probably more important. Um, but you have to, you have to be able to, to sort of manage both aspects of your business, however you want to work it. Um, you, you need to be aware of technology that can maybe, uh, facilitate, um, some changes that are necessary. Um, uh, maybe you can make your experience better for a customer if, if you adapt to certain technologies, but what won't be replaced is, is being responsive, uh, to your point, uh, what won't be replaced is, is, uh, being accessible and listening and making sure that the client knows that, hey, I've got an expert, not just somebody selling me something. I've, I have an advisor who is looking out for me and exactly what I do. He knows exactly what my business is about and what is important. And for my end, what what needs to be covered, uh, the, the the terms of the deal, the not just the premium, but like, you know, what's actually in this form. So, so there's, uh, you know, an insurance, that's, that's always a fear. You look at different types, every other commercial on TV or every other stadium is named after a big insurance carrier. Well, they're finding, you know, especially in the personal lines side of things, you know, your home and auto, um, a lot of those uh, lines of business are, are moving more into the uh, automated uh, techn- technological uh, format. But uh, the commercial PNC side, I, I do firmly believe these business owners, they want to sit down and meet and talk and figure out what's what, why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? That, that there's too much money at stake there a lot of times. And uh, I do think that there's, there's a huge benefit to the uh, personal relationships that we, we form there. But um, I do think as time goes, time goes on, there's going to be a shift towards people that, that really win because of how they, they talk to people and how they greet people to your coffee uh, shop example. That that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. People, the less and less that they're seeing that in their everyday lives, the more time that they have their head buried in their phone, the more time that you walk by people that look like a, like a damn zombie 
because they they're they're everything's just you know tech this tech that people are really really responding to someone who looks them in the eye shakes their hand the right way and has access to some technology that can help them i mean it's not it's not a it's not an all or nothing proposition i just think you can't lose the fundamentals you know you can learn a corny baseball example you can learn uh this 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 great new drill to help your your swing as a hitter but if you don't get ready on time, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? You can never lose any fundamentals. And for business, uh, trust is at the core of all the fundamentals and trust and relationships and, and handling all that stuff. So I don't see that going anywhere. I, in fact, I think the people that continue to, to really uh, put, a, put a high level of importance on that sort of thing will, will benefit as far as business goes going forward. Absolutely. So I know we're... Uh... We're running up on time here, so I could we could dive into the the final questions here. Um, taking a step back from business for a moment, is there any interesting um, content you know you're consuming these days for uh, you know in your leisurely time as far as any writers or movies or shows or books or, or anything like that you'd like to share? I'm ashamed to say this. Maybe I need a mentor to help push me to read more, Mike. And I'm I'm not asking for it to be Mike, but maybe it's Mike Troxel. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'll tell you what, what I typically am consuming and maybe half your audience will be turned off now, but that's okay. Um, I really love Clay Travis. If you're looking for, if you're tired of tuning in to sports talk radio, uh, and, and getting the same couple messages blasted out, blasted at you, I think this guy's a real winner and he's got his own platform at Outkick, Outkick the coverage. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's a lawyer by trade from, uh, Vanderbilt Law School. He's excellent. I would highly recommend him. He uh, is phenomenal, especially if you're into college football. Hopefully we have that season this year uh, safely and all that good stuff. But I think he's an awesome, awesome guy. And between him and Jason Whitlock, if anybody's familiar with him, he's, he's another guy that last year has just really stood out to me. Um, I've got some you know long-term staples that I started listening to basically um, my first off season in 2008, I had ankle surgery. So I had a lot of time to sit around and not do anything. And those two people, uh, on the radio are Rush Limbaugh and then Dennis Prager. And, uh, they, they do a terrific job. And then obviously if that's not your, your slant, you're not going to like them so much, but, uh, still worth a listen. I think you should listen to things that you agree with and don't, but, um, I would say that's, those are two of the guys I consume the most. And then I think Tucker Carlson's outstanding as well. Uh, his his ratings sort of speak for themselves, but I really like people that challenge you uh, intellectually. Um, if you agree with them, that's great. But but even having you know, if you do agree with them, it's it's important to go seek out things that that you wouldn't think you agree with and, and challenge yourself that way. It's uh, it's important. You know, I'm 33 years old. I'm not not for sure. You know, I don't think anybody knows what they're going to think in 10 years um, or can you know say how things are going to be in 10 years. So I. Those are probably some of the people I consume the most. But uh, like I said at the beginning, I think I need a little push to go uh, start reading a little bit more. So maybe Mike can stay on me there. Hey, it's uh, it's always a challenge. So it's safe to assume that radio is your number one uh, sort of content uh, consumption vehicle versus uh, TV or Kindle or. Uh... Well, and I'll, and I'll tell you that part of how that started too. Not to cut you off, but. I like to go for long runs. And so a lot of times you, you've got these iHeartRadio apps or these, you know, tune in apps. And, and if you go for a, you know, a long run, if you're running for an hour, 
you can really get into some of these. And then when one goes to commercial, you go to the other, or if you get the, you know, the, the, uh, the replay version or a podcast version, there's no commercial. So it's turned out to be a really easy way to be active. You talked about, you know, how do you manage your time? Well, to listen to something doesn't mean you have to sit there and just listen to it. How about you run it and listen at the same time? So um, it's sort of gone hand in hand with being active. And uh, anyhow, they've uh, been very entertaining for me over the years. Yep. So I'm interested in your perspective on, on this uh, ne- next question because your, uh, you know, both your interaction with the young students at Danielle's school, but also with the high school students from coaching. If you had to design a course for any age and uh, any curriculum, what would it be and why? Mm, okay, I would say it would be a course involving how kids deal with failure, adversity and just basic day-to-day life situations. So maybe like a life situational course, um, how you deal with conflict. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of crap that the kids are dealing with uh, today. We, are, we had our own crap, but today it's, it's, it's amplified because, you know, little Jimmy said this about Susie on, on Twitter, and then Susie went on Instagram and and fired back twice as hard, and then then somebody went on TikTok, and then they really they really laid the hammer down. So it, it's just a mess, and they don't know how to resolve things uh, in person. They don't know how to be mature and handle things. Um, kids can always be nasty, but you know it, it's it's sort of taken on a life of its own. So I would say, you know, uh, something that allows kids to practice and see situations, realistic ones that that come about, and then. How do you handle it? And then how do you forgive people? I think today, gosh, people, people hold grudges. You know, there's, there's like a, there's a major problem with, with not being able to consider the times in which things took place and then, and, you know, see the good in people and then forgive and move on. I I, I don't think people are, are aware of how to do that. And, And I also bring up the failure aspect. So many parents think that they're being, and again, I'm, I have no doubt it's, got to be the hardest thing to ever do is be a good parent. And Michael, you've got two little ones. Uh, Danny and I hopefully will join the mix here, you know, in the next year, but just being around so many parents and families and kids, you know, they are, the parents think they're being great parents by preventing their kids the ability uh, to fail. They're taking them out of situations before they can fail. If they don't make a team, well, that's all right. The coach, the the people had it out for them and now we're going to leave or, you know, you're hitting eighth in the order. That's ridiculous, Johnny. You're better than that. So let's start a new team. That's been going on. It's not brand new, but it's, it's, I'll tell you what, it's at a different level. It's at a peak level. And what you end up seeing at the high school level as a coach, it's not developing better, better kids. It's not developing people ready to cope with society. It's not developing people that, you know, frankly, when you're the person in charge of hiring somebody for a firm, you don't want that kid because he's a weenie or she's a weenie. She doesn't know how to deal with anything. You want somebody on your team that the first, the first sign of any resistance, they turn and run, they head for the hills because, well, geez, you know, my parents never let me fail. I was told I was too good for that. Well, there must be a problem with the firm, not me. So I think there's a major, major breakdown with all of that type of, uh, all that type of stuff. So, so if I'm going to start a class, uh, if Danny and I were going to start a class, it would have to be uh, 
dealing with, you know, for kids and, and how they deal with failure, how they deal with adversity, resistance. And then when they do run into those, those speed bumps, how, how are they dealing with each other? There's a way to disagree. There's a way to, to fight, compete, and go after the same thing and then squash it and then resolve it and move on and, and see how everybody got better uh, because of that whole process. And I, I just think there's a huge, huge lack. And that's part of why, that's part of why Danny teaches. That's part of why I stay involved and spend as much time as I do coaching. It's not just the baseball. It's They need to see that. They need to hear these things because they're not getting it on social media. They're not getting it on TV. They're not getting it on Netflix. They're not getting it anywhere. This message is being lost uh, everywhere they look. So uh, that that's where I would you know focus my attention if I had a class. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I think uh, there's not anyone that wouldn't benefit from learning a bit more um, how to deal with failure, conflict, adversity, as you put it. So I, I appreciate that. So if you're if you're going on a, one of your one-hour runs right now and, and you're forced to listen to me have a conversation with somebody, um, is there anybody you would recommend or you would want to listen to? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of people. I'm trying to think. Uh, this is a recommendation, referral. Uh, part of the program, yeah. Um, this is this would be my answer to you. I'll cop out. This will be my first cop out. I will put a list together of ten people that I that I highly recommend, and I will tell them that I told Mike Troxel that they should be on their on his podcast. So I will refer ten people to you. But off the top of my head, there's not somebody uh, that I would just say, oh, it's got to just be him. I, I can come up with five or ten really really good people for you to talk to. Beautiful, beautiful. Spoken like a true businessman. So flipping the question around, and there's no cop out here. Um, if you had your own sort of one hour conversation with somebody from past or present, who would it be and why? Oh, I got a good one. Um, so I had a hitting coach uh, in pro ball, my first three full seasons. So when you get drafted, uh, the first thing they, you know, in my case, I came from the college world series. I took two weeks off and then I went up and met up with uh, the Blue Jays, New York Penn League team. So what they call that is short season uh, A-ball. And that's it's a half a year. It's basically from the draft to the end of the minor league season. And then you go home, you have an off season, then you go to your first spring training, and then you hopefully make your first full season team, which I did. In my case, it was low A Midwest League uh, up in Lansing, Michigan. So between that year and then my second year in Dunedin, Florida, in the Florida State League, high A, to the following season, my first uh, trip in, in double A, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, in the Eastern League. Those three seasons, I had the same hitting coach uh, by the name of Justin Mayshore. And he, uh, in recent years, has been a big league hitting coach. He's a baseball lifer. He played himself, uh, got the coaching. Uh, well, we never, never, with the exception of a few weeks initially, <laughs> despite being warned uh, by some of the guys in the organization, we, we never got along. And I was, I was somebody who was very much used to getting along with his coaches because for the most part, I, I was coachable. I did what I was asked to do. And then I did, I'd like to think I did way, way more than I was asked to do. And uh, I basically treated everybody right. He was probably the first guy that for whatever reason, I just didn't, I didn't get along with him. He didn't get along with me. I ended up putting a wall up because I said, you know what, this guy's not helping me. He's hurting me. Even though I thought uh, maybe his long-term vision for me as a hitter was, was correct. I knew what he was trying to do. 
I didn't think he was communicating it the right way. Uh, at the time, I wasn't receptive to it maybe in the best way. So I, there's a guy I really haven't talked to since that last year. Uh, the first year I went into double A, our team won the championship even. I had a good finish to the year, but he was a guy who, uh, you know, at, his, at that point in his life and, and the point I was in in mind, we just were, we were oil and water. So that would be somebody who um, I wouldn't mind connecting with again and just sort of telling him, uh, no, it's not a forgiveness thing. It's not, there's nothing really to forgive per se, but just kind of a, Hey, you know, I appreciate what you tried to do. And uh, I look back at it and I know your intentions were good. And, and I don't know what he would say to me, maybe something, maybe he would say uh, he wishes he went about things a different way, but, but uh, anyway, that would be a really interesting conversation to have and a good reflection back at a, a short period of, of both of our lives. So that, that would be the guy that comes to mind is uh, Justin Mayshore. That's a great, great answer. And you're, you're voting along party lines there as far as your course goes and dealing with adversity, conflict, um, you know, also tying, also tying back to my observation that you're, you know, extremely honest with yourself and, uh, and, you know, always willing to sort of have those conversations. So if someone's, uh, if someone's listening to this, that's, um, in Florida, that's either interested in connecting with you, learning more about uh, your business, how you could potentially work together, pick your brain, anything uh, as far as getting in touch with you. Is there an email or social media or anything that you'd like to uh, put out where people could potentially get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to talk and, and, and meet with anybody. I love talking and meeting new people, talking to and meeting new people. So um, probably the best way to do it would be through my email. I'll, I'll give you my office number here, but I'll start with a nice long email. So hopefully they've got a pen out when they listen to this or they can rewind anyway. It's uh, M Soboleski. So it's M S O B O L E W S K I. It's Polish at Atlas insurance agency.com and Atlas is A T L A S insurance agency.com. And then uh, an office number for me would be nine, four, one, Four eight seven three zero one six nine four one four eight seven three zero one six. Beautiful. That's much appreciated. And I, I will link to all of this in the notes to the show. So in case somebody does want to get in touch with you, they can access that. So Mark, it's been um, it's been great having you on. Great, great catching up with you as always. Any any parting thoughts for our listeners? Well, first and foremost, Michael, thank you for having me on. Uh, I thought it was a great idea when you started your newsletter or whatever. I don't know if you call it a newsletter, but the email that I get every couple of weeks or so, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed them. And I just think it's an awesome job of you doing something um, above and beyond that's not really required in your line of work. But I think it's a great idea and it brings uh, value to, to any of your friends and family, clients, prospects, whoever, whoever's getting that is, is better from it. And then I'd also like to say thanks for having me on. This is a, an equally great idea. I really enjoyed it. As I sit here and talk, uh, you've made me think, you've made me dig deep and, and try to provide hopefully some insightful, uh, thoughtful answers. And I've really enjoyed it and I'm honored that you'd want to have me on. So uh, I, I, I'd like to catch up with you personally. I'd like, uh, whether that's in California or the next time you're down, back down in your uh, old stomping grounds here in Florida. Um, I hope all is well out there. And to everybody listening, uh, you know, just keep doing the very, very best you can every day. Be the best version of yourself possible. That's what I try to do. I think it's important. You know, I've been in a role today in this call 
I'm answering Mike's questions and coming from a place where I actually have answers and, and some sort of authority, but I think it's really important to note, I fall short of this stuff every single day. It's, uh, it's about three, you know, it's just before four o'clock here on a Monday between now and when I go to bed, I'm going to fall short of many things multiple times. The key is to, to identify it, figure out how you can do better and then just keep moving along. So um, I think that's that's important to know. And uh, once again, Mike, thanks for having me on. This has been really, really awesome. And uh, look forward to sharing the link with everybody I can. That's a great note to end on, Mark. I really appreciate it. And, and sometimes that's missed, right? We, we all fall short. We're all striving to be better. So thanks uh, thanks again for, for coming on. It was great chatting with you. And we'll, uh, we'll chat again. Thanks again for listening to today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. All of the show notes and links can be found at personalequitypodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share it with a friend or leave a review. Reviews help the show get noticed. The best places to leave a rating or a review are iTunes or Spotify. Mike Troxel owns Modern Financial Planning. All opinions expressed by Mike or guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Modern Financial Planning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions.